listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Living Room North podcast. wrapping up this series called Over It, and our hope with this series was not that you would magically get over stress, anxiety, and worry, because we know that we're human and that's impossible, but that it would open the door for conversation that you would know you're not the only one who deals with this. Um, So that was just our goal for this series, and I hope that you've had a good experience in this series. If you've been here in the last couple weeks, that your small group has been able to talk about stress, anxiety, and worry, and it's been a judgment-free zone, and that maybe you've been just processing through um, the way that stress, anxiety, and worry has showed up in your life. So I have just been really um, challenged by this series and really excited about it, so I'm Excited to be here with you tonight. But before we get started, I do just kind of want to say a disclaimer. So I'm going to be talking about the spiritual side to anxiety, and I just want to be really, really clear that I do not believe that anxiety is solely a spiritual problem. Um, I don't believe that uh, for everyone in here, we could just pray away anxiety. Maybe that's your story, that you struggled with it, that you had to navigate through it, and you just prayed and prayed and prayed, and then you haven't dealt with it since. And if that's your story, that's amazing. That is not my story. Um, I have dealt with anxiety for over 10 years now, and I see a counselor for it, and maybe for you, you um, are on medication for it, or you go to therapy frequently for it, whatever that looks like in your life, that is your story. And I just want to be really clear that I'm not going to dismiss that tonight or try to make you feel guilty for seeking help. Um, That is not my goal at all. I actually believe that if anxiety is something you deal with, you should be seeking help, and we want to help you with that. So I just want to be really clear tonight that I'm not going to just say your story doesn't matter or that this is the solution to all of your anxieties, because I don't think it is. So um, anyway, just to be honest and open with you um, and a little bit about me. So the past 14 months of my life have been some of the most interesting months um, up to date. I turned 26 at the beginning of the year. And although this is kind of silly, y'all, I just feel really old. (laughs) Like, you know, when you turn a year older and people are like, how do you feel? And you're like, the same. This year I've been like old. Like I have had to go to the chiropractor a lot uh, for back problems, which I've never dealt with before. Or I've just had some really like obscure medical things too this past year. Like I I tore a ligament in my ankle playing tennis, which that's never happened before. I lost hearing in my left ear for two weeks, which was weird. I had some swollen cartilage in my collarbone. What? I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, I scratched my eyeball really bad recently. Like, it's just always been something, and it's always been something weird. O- oddly enough, it's always been the left side of my body, so I don't know what's happening over there. But it's just been this year where I'm like, I have been to the doctors more in the past year than I have in the last 10 years, and I just feel old. Um, I have experienced a lot of professional change over the last 14 months, which um, some of it was seen, some of it was not seen, or or I didn't expect it to happen, and some of it was really, really hard, and some of it was awesome. So the past uh, year and a half, I have just really feel like I've been all over the place career-wise and trying to figure it out, and I am really happy with where I am right now, but there has been some months where I just really struggled with, am I, is this, do I have a purpose here? Like, why am I here? What's going on, God? Are you just tossing me around? Um, I don't really get what's going on. So professionally, there's been change. My family moved and then moved back, which was strange. Um, But they moved to Florida, and so that was obviously a life change of trying to go down and see them as much as I could um, in Tampa and then come back and 
I, my friend group has changed. And then oddly enough, this one's just weird, but I just want to tell y'all, I, this year I decided I'm going to go back to my natural hair color. I'm going to stop dyeing my hair, go back to dark brown. I have found like a gray hair a week in the last six months, and I just wasn't emotionally ready for this. And my mom, I called her one day. I was like, Mom, you're not going to believe this. I found a gray hair, and it just really sticks out. And she was like, oh, it's just the start, honey. It's downhill from here. And I was like, oh, good, Mom, this is great. Um, So that's been something I've adapted to. But anyway, this year, the past year and a half, really, has just been kind of hard. And then there's been some things that have been awesome. And uh, really, the past year and a half reminds me of, have you seen the movie Inside Out? Okay, yes, it's a great, great movie. And the premise is is it's kind of narrated by these uh, five four or five feelings, uh, anger, joy, sadness, disgust, and fear, five. Um, And they believe at the beginning of the movie that all of your memories are dominated, should be dominated by one emotion. So they assume that it should be joy, that all your memories should just be defined by the joy it brought, and that's what you should remember of it. And at the end of the movie, spoiler, they realize that there's actually beauty in memories having some joy and some sadness, or some joy and some fear, and that memory shouldn't be discounted just because there was sadness involved or anger involved, and that has really been my year. And when I look back, I just think this year has been so full of joy and sadness and anger and grief, um, but mixed with you know, some really cool things and some excitement. So one of the things in the last year that was different than previous years was, like I said, my family lived in Florida, and once they moved down there, they were near Orlando, and my mom and sister decided that they were going to get passes to Disney. And I was like, well, that's not fair. So I decided that I was going to get a pass to Disney so that when I went down there, we could all go to Disney together. And Disney quickly became this like really big thing that I look forward to probably, guys, I wanted to get my money's worth. So like once a month, I was figuring out how to get to Disney because I wanted to show them like, you're going to charge me a lot, but I'm going to get way more out of this. So every month I was planning a trip, even if it was just for like an evening um, when I was visiting my family, I just wanted to go to Disney. And then as I was walking through some really difficult months, planning these trips and looking forward to these trips kind of became a distraction. And it became this um, release almost in the sense of, oh, today was really hard, so let me see what fast passes I can get for the end of the month. Or today was really hard, let's see what new snacks there are at Casey's Corner. Like, it was just this thing that consumed me and distracted me from the pain that I was dealing with. And when I look back on this year, my pass actually expired a week ago today, and I'm not in a place to talk about it, but it's over. But when I look back on this year, Uh, That was my distraction. But when I look back on other years and other seasons that were hard, I had a distraction. It just wasn't Disney. But there was always something that was distracting me through these hard circumstances and these hard seasons. I can look back and I see, you know, there was a season in college that was difficult and I distracted myself with Parks and Rec. I watched Parks and Rec until I couldn't even see anymore. Like, It's just all I wanted to do. And then there's some seasons I look back on that were hard and I distracted myself with boys. And that's just what I did and where I sought attention and um, how I distracted myself. Or, you know, there's other seasons where I just distracted myself with staying busy Um, or comparison on Instagram. Like, there are just these little things that I used to distract myself from the pain that I was feeling and from what I was walking through. And uh, maybe it's the same for you, but my thought process through this was that if I could elevate something above my hurt, then I don't have to address what's really going on. 
If I could elevate something above the pain that I'm feeling, above the hurt that I'm dealing with, then I can ignore what's actually happening. And really, my motivation with this is I'll just ignore it and I'll distract myself with something else because in a few months, this won't be a big deal. Like, uh, for example, today was just a really hard day, to be honest. And I was like, I'm just not going to tell anyone about it because tomorrow I'll wake up and I'll say, it wasn't that bad. Or in a week, I'll think, it wasn't that bad. I was fine. I survived. But it was a hard day. And so now I'm choosing to be honest about it. But in most cases, I just want to say, it's fine. Everything's fine. Because I know in a few months, I'll look back and think, it was good. We made it through. And I distracted myself with something so I didn't have to deal with the pain. So my question for you tonight is, what do you elevate when life hurts the most? Rascal Flatts song. You ready? You know that song? What hurts the most? Was being say with me? So close. Yeah. I sound just as good as Alex. I don't know why they don't ask me to lead worship. <laughs> He's so offended right now. Um, but my question for you is, what do you elevate when life hurts? When things are hard, what, what is it for you that you distract yourself with? Maybe it's friends, maybe um, it's alcohol, maybe it's TV, maybe it's sleeping, maybe it's becoming just kind of apathetic towards life and just going through the motions because you just don't even want to feel anything anymore. What is it for you that serves as a distraction? And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, Lauren, this is the classic church setup. You're going to say, we distract ourselves with earthly things and then be like, guys, don't do that. Look to Jesus. That's what you want to distract yourself with. And I'm going to have this Jesus juke and everyone's going to feel guilty and you're going to walk out thinking, oh, darn it. They got me again. That's not what's going to happen. Because even though, yes, we should turn to Jesus. I completely agree with that. If I'm being totally honest with you, when I have a bad day, when I'm walking through a hard season, I will get satisfaction and distraction quicker if I watch The Office until my eyes bleed instead of reading the Bible. Like, I'm just being real with you. That when I'm going through a hard season, I don't really want to pray about it. I kind of just want to pretend it's not happening. And so the whole, like, don't distract yourself with earthly things, look to Jesus, it hasn't really been what I turned to initially because I feel like it takes time and I feel like it makes me have to feel feelings I don't want to feel and I just want a quick fix and I just want a quick distraction so that I can just get through it and pretend it didn't happen and so that's just how it's been for me in these seasons and for some of you maybe maybe that's true for you because for some of you, maybe your story goes like this. You uh, were feeling lost and hopeless, and then you heard the good news of Jesus, and you decided to accept Christ, and you never believed that your life would be perfect, but you thought things will get better. But you thought that things would fall into place, but things are actually just falling apart. And you're like, yeah, I know the deal wasn't that life would be perfect and life would be easy, but I thought that it would be better. I thought, I thought I wouldn't have to walk through hard times, and now you're left feeling hopeless. You're feeling a little confused. You're feeling like, why isn't God holding up his end of the deal? Because I thought when I made this decision to do life with him that he was going to make my life 
a little easier. And it just feels like everything's falling apart. And maybe you're in a place right now where you're thinking, God, are you even here? Because I feel awfully alone. Or maybe you're in a place, which I have been before, where you're like, God, I kind of feel like this is a sick game where you're just watching to see how I handle this. And I'm hurting and you're not helping and I feel like I'm in a room with no exit and no plan out and you're not here. And if you've been there before, one, that's okay. Two, it's normal. And three, you're not alone. Um, because actually, Jesus had been there before. You see, there, there's this um, moment with Jesus that I think we are quick to look over because it happens uh, during the crucifixion. And when we read the crucifixion, we often just want to get to the good part, right? Where he um, comes back and everything's fine and uh, the promise is fulfilled. But while he was hanging on the cross, after he had just um, gone through immense humi humiliation and torture and pain that we can never fathom, he's hanging on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some translations say, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And he doesn't say, my God, my God, have you? My God, my God, are you thinking of it? At this point, Jesus is thinking, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? This wasn't the plan, but I feel awfully alone. And so there's this moment with Jesus, the Son of God, on the cross, wondering, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And you see what I find, there's two things I find so beautiful from this, is one that we serve a savior who can empathize with us in the moments of loneliness, in the moments of wondering, has God abandoned me? Has God left? Does God know what's going on here? Jesus knows that feeling. But not only that, Prior to the crucifixion, Jesus is with the disciples and he's telling them, you know, hey, life is going to look different for you because I'm not going to be here. And this is how it's going to go and this is why it's going to happen. And he's giving them um, some advice for what their life is going to look like and how they need to handle it. And he says to them, hey, I, I'm telling you all this for a reason. And it's in John 16, 33. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And so before Jesus goes to the cross, there's this moment with Jesus where he says, I'm telling you this so that you may have peace. Not, hey, maybe one day you'll earn it. Maybe one day you'll be good enough for it. Maybe one day I'll think about it and I'll give you peace. No, I'm telling you this so that you may have it. It's yours to have this peace. Because he goes on, he says, in this world you will have trouble. And this is coming from a guy who, in just a couple days, is hanging on the cross, facing trouble, feeling trouble. And Jesus never says anywhere in the Bible that, hey, if you uh, make the decision to accept me, uh, you'll never face trouble. Life will be great. It will be easy. It will be better. No, he actually says the exact opposite. It's like, in this life, you will face 
trouble, and we all know what trouble feels like. We've all been there. We know when things don't go our way. We know what rejection feels like. We know what abandonment feels like. We know what uh, hurt feels like. We know what the loss of hopes and dreams, what it, what it feels like to grieve the loss of a loved one. We've been there. We know that. We know trouble. And Jesus says, you, you will face it. But he doesn't end there. He finishes with, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And he's saying this to disciples, hey, your life is going to look different. You're going to face trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And this was before he was crucified. So before he's on the cross, he knew this truth. He knew the truth that there was peace from God. He knew that he had overcome the world He knew that there was peace to offer, that there was a hope to offer. He knew that, and yet later on, he still knew pain. And he still knew fear. And he still knew, I wonder if God has abandoned me. Where's God now? And once again, it's that perfect example that we see in a children's movie, an inside out of this mix of joy and sadness, this mix of truth and pain that sometimes they go hand in hand. But you see, he says that he has overcome the world. So the world includes your fear and your rejection and your hurt and your loss and your abandonment and your loneliness and your anxiety and your stress and your worry. He's overcome all of that. And there's peace there. But he doesn't, pro- he doesn't promise that we'll never face trouble. He promises that we will. But he hasn't left us. And you see, the thing is, is that on this side of heaven, we will face trouble and we will face pain and loss and stress and anxiety and worry and depression and all that. We will face it. But as believers, we have a choice. We can sit in it, and we can become defined by it, and we can become imprisoned by it, and it can be where we live. Or we can believe that Jesus meant what he said, and that he has overcome the world, and therefore we have hope. You see, although the presence of stress, worry, and anxiety is unavoidable, the prison is optional. With Jesus, there's an option. Yes, you can live in this. You can choose to be defined by this and imprisoned by this stress and this worry and this anxiety, all of that, all those feelings, the hurt, the abandonment that's happened to you. You can live there. But with Jesus, there's another choice. You can have hope and you can find freedom and you can have the peace that he so freely offers you because you see even if you are never over it, which we will never be over it on this side of heaven, you can find hope in the one who has overcome. We may never be over it. There will probably never be a time in your life where you're like, wow, I have never felt anything negative in a long time. I've never felt stress or worry or anxiousness. All those feelings just seem to fade and all I feel is joy. That that may not happen to you. 
But lucky for us, we can find hope in the one who has overcome. And you see, hope in Jesus helps you live a full life because remember he says, I will give you life and life to the full amidst the stress, the worry, and the anxiety. So as we live with the stress and worry and anxiety, we can live with hope. As we live with pain, we can live knowing the truth. And you see, this hope in Jesus, this hope in Jesus, I think we hear about it and we're like, yeah, 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 hope, but what does that actually mean? I think for us, this hope in Jesus, it helps us forgive people we never thought we'd be able to forgive. People who I'm sure we could go one by one and we could tell you, I could tell you stories of people who have hurt me and some of you might think, yes, Lauren, you should never forgive them. Your anger is valid and just, but this hope in Jesus helps me forgive them anyways. This hope in Jesus helps heal wounds that have remained open for far too long. This hope in Jesus restores purpose to dreams that you thought were lost and dead. This hope of Jesus gives peace and disaster. The hope of Jesus empowers. The hope of Jesus provides a light. And you see, this hope in Jesus isn't just a light at the end of the tunnel. It's the light that guides you through it. It's the light that guides you through the tunnel of stress, of anxiety, of depression, of these feelings of my life will never get better. Jesus isn't this far off hope at the end that maybe I'll get there one day. He's with you through it. He's not gonna abandon you. And in the moments of fear and in the moments of doubt, which are normal and it's okay, Jesus is saying, hey, I not only offer you peace, not only offer you communion with me, but I've overcome. I've overcome the world. I've overcome what you're walking through right now. And yes, it may cause pain, but I'm here. And the truth is, is that I'm not gonna leave you. And you see, I think when it comes to distractions, yes, the short-term solution of whatever it is for you would be easy. And it would provide a Band-Aid. But I think this long-term solution of turning to Jesus and doing the hard work of processing these feelings, of seeking help, of working through this, of praying through this, of reading scripture about this, of turning to the Lord about it, the hard work of that provides a long-term solution, provides a deeper relationship with Jesus provides a deeper understanding of this hope that we have, of this peace that we've been so freely given. And so as we've gone through this series, I I hope that maybe for you, you've been encouraged, whether to know that you're not the only one, or to know that there is a hope in Jesus that you weren't aware of, or whatever it might be, I hope this series has offered you some comfort in knowing that you're human, And these are things we're gonna walk through, but also that you're not walking through it alone. So we're gonna close with a song. And I love this song, and there's a line in this song that says, do not forget his great faithfulness. He'll finish all he's begun. And I, I love that line because for me, it served as this reminder of, in the moments of, God, you left me. 
God, are you here? God, do you remember that we were in this together, that he will finish all that he's begun? That he's not gonna leave us. He's not gonna abandon us. He's not gonna forsake us, but he knows the feeling. And he sympathizes with that. And he offers compassion for that. So over these next few minutes as we sing this song, I challenge you that you either just sit and think about the words, you reflect over this series, you reflect over what is it that you have found distraction in? What is it that you have found short-term satisfaction in rather than doing the work of processing these feelings and these emotions? Or you can stand and you can sing, whatever you wanna do, but I just wanna offer these next few minutes as a space to reflect and to think about all that Jesus has freely offered us and the life that he so desperately wants to live with you.